let's keep the illegal product out of the marketplace. Because instead of being therapeutic, patients will actually get something that's dangerous and harmful. And then we move away from our basic philosophy that cannabis is nature's medicine, not provided by the wrong people, but it is when it's provided by the people that care. Today's episode, we're going to have John Sandelman. He's the CEO of Air Wellness. Uh, they are one of the largest, uh, most successful, uh, most talked about uh, MSOs in the cannabis space. Uh, it's an incredibly innovative program with uh, all the right ideas about how to provide safe, effective therapeutic products to patients. John, welcome to State House with Frank Santos. I really appreciate your uh, your time uh, today on the podcast. You, uh, you're a busy guy and run uh, one of the most successful and well-known MSOs uh, in the cannabis space, Air Wellness. And um, so your time today is really important for our, our listeners and, and viewers um, to hear, you know, what a, a real MSO is doing out in other states. And uh, and uh, I know you have an interest in, in the state of Texas as well. And so we want to, we're going to you know, ask you about that and, and, um, and, and hear what your, what your thoughts are on, on Texas. But, uh, before we do that, um, you know, for those who, uh, maybe haven't, um, you know, have, uh, any background with air, tell us a little bit about what you guys do. So air is a, a multi-state operator. We are currently operating in seven States. We have license for eight States. Air was built on the original premise of that cannabis is nature's medicine and having the ability to deliver that medicine to our customers less patients is a personal mission of mine when I started the company. You know, and the, the last, a uh, lot of the people we've been talking to are people that uh, are patients. Uh, we've had veterans um, and other patients, uh, you know, are one of the organizations that you've been involved with here in Texas, the Texas Patients First Foundation, which uh, is an organization organization set up specifically to educate patients and physicians and policymakers on medical cannabis. Um, our director of policy and advocacy is uh, is quadriplegic Chase Bearden, uh, who you've met before, and um, and and so one of the things that's really important, I think, for um, that we want to try to accomplish is is changing the whole narrative surrounding uh, medical cannabis and, and or cannabis in general. And in the state of Texas, as you know, we've got a a statute that was passed in 2015. It, it didn't have a, a lot of working parts to it, but it did open up um, the the state to a medical cannabis program. And it was passed by a conservative legislature. So there's definitely some some buy in from from all sides on you know the effectiveness of cannabis for for patients with with certain conditions and um so there's going to be uh, a lot of changes that are happening and have been happening kind of slowly over the last two legislative sessions since 2015 and if people don't know Texas only meets every other year so 20 coming up this January we're back in 
And so the timing on all this is really good because, you know, we want to get this, these messages across to the legislature as they're looking at language. Um, one of the questions I had for you is in the states where you do operate, uh, what kind of uh, what are some of the provisions that work really well to help patients with things like, you know, access and uh, the therapeutic value of, of the cannabis that, that they're getting that you'd like to see in the state of Texas? Well, Frank, I, I remember, you know, almost a year ago now when I came down to Texas and visited with you and we talked to some people in government and public safety, what I really appreciated about the way the state was being so thoughtful in terms of how do we build a program that can deliver the highest quality medicine to our citizens. And so we, we appreciate and operate in states where we think there's a very good and conservative regulatory framework because that's what works best both for the companies that operate and their ability to deliver that quality consistently to the patients. Now, we've seen other states, and I'm sure the regulators and, and legislators have done their work, and they see that you know there's two kinds of states in this industry. One where they take a serious controlled approach to delivering the medicine, and others where the regulatory framework is very loose. And in my observation, in those environments, the quality is variable. And I don't think that helps anyone, particularly the people that we're looking to serve. So I walked away, Frank, um, from our meetings together, and I was encouraged that Texas would be one of those states that understood controlling access in a limited license state that would require a multi-state operator to be vertically integrated such that when we have the control of the quality in the manufacturing because we are vertically integrated, we can ensure that consistency of quality in those states. You know, you're, you're right on. And I think, um, I think, Definitely, that's where the state is headed, and and I and I, I feel exactly the same way you do about the way that the program has has been uh, managed to this point. You know, the in 2015, the Texas Department of Public Safety was given some not a lot of tools to work with, and I think based with those tools, limited tools, they were able to construct um, at least um, the framework for a program like you're talking about, and. Over the last couple of sessions, they've they've changed a little bit on the THC level, trying to get to a more therapeutic dose for patients. They've opened up conditions. Uh, this session, uh, they're already talking about chronic pain. Um, you know, probably a, a a constructed version of what chronic pain is. Uh, currently, I think that it's sort of defined almost like intractable pain, and I think there's a there's a broader category there without going too far out and just opening the doors to anybody that says, you know, my back hurts. You know, that's not, that's really not, you know, that's not what it's all about. So I appreciate it as well, because I think if you look at some other states and I'd, I'd, I'd like your, your thoughts on this, um, where states have done certain things that were not helpful, matter of fact, maybe detrimental 
to the program. What are some of those things that te- Texas should stay away from? Let's start with what I'd hope Texas would include in terms of the regulatory requirements Great. for an operator in the state. So we've learned a lot of lessons in this industry. And what's important is to allow and create a framework where legitimate providers flourish. Because what hurts this industry and and hurts the patients even more is where there's overly restricted frameworks, where there's overtaxation. So the cost that the legitimate businesses of the products they're trying to, to, to provide are too expensive vis-a-vis the legacy market, okay, the mm-hmm. illegal market. What's equally as important in our view from what we've seen in the states where programs are flourishing and high-quality pro- pro- products are being delivered, because we know in the legacy market, the illegal market, the product is untested. So the patient has no idea exactly THC levels and quality levels. And and that's really important. Think about it like I do, Frank, and I think you do as well. If this is truly nature's medicine, then whenever you deliver medicine to patients, it has to be in a controlled environment. So they get the best therapeutic experience from cannabis. Now, one other issue that I would hope the state would be thinking about is this seed to sale tracker, which really regulates the cannabis in their state. And Frank, where we've seen states who haven't adopted this policy, they've been flooded with illegal cannabis coming over state lines. And that doesn't help the state, it doesn't help the patients, and it doesn't help the providers. You know, at the end of the day, the providers, it still has to be an economic proposition, like a pharmacy, so that they could actually invest in their businesses, again, to be able to provide this quality daily. So that's a big issue for us. Let's let's set up a framework, limited license, great controls, seed to tracking, seed to sale, excellent consistent testing. Let's keep the illegal product out of the marketplace because instead of being therapeutic, patients will actually get something that's dangerous and harmful. And then we move away from our basic philosophy that cannabis is nature's medicine, not provided by the wrong people, but it is when it's provided by the people that care. You know, I think you'll be happy to know that uh, there is talk uh, um, at the regulatory level about um the seed to sale issue, uh, tracking it so that people, I mean, it's just more controls, um, safety controls, um, on the product. And one of the things we've had a lot of discussion with, uh, not just the regulators, but policymakers as well is, um, if you don't have 
an appropriate program that's a true medical program. And let's separate it from the other states where they've gone recreational because that's a totally different um, program. I'm not going to guess how well that's been for some states or how bad it's been for some states, but the state of Texas is a medical cannabis state. So a a very well-regulated program is what's going to be the best for Texas patients. And what we've had the discussion around is if you don't provide a, a good program, then those patients who are in need, and you have to think about you know, patients that are suffering either from PTSD or from from chronic from some kind of neurological chronic pain or MS or seizures. I mean, these are these are these are people with real, you know, diagnosable conditions. And they need they need help. And they're and and more than likely um either uh, and I've talked to a bunch of vets on this and Navy SEALs that come back with some really severe PTSD. One of the things that we've talked about is when they separate from the Navy. Um, I had one uh, one guy's a good friend, uh, Justin Kaufman. He came, he says, uh, yeah, he, he left. Everybody said, you know, adios. Thank you for your service. He went home and a couple of weeks later, a whole box of uh, pills showed up in his, at his house. And that was it. Uh, no, no talk therapy, no, nothing. And so he went through a process, uh, and, and got through that addiction process. He went through some very low periods and he found over a long, over a period of time, his journey got him to a place where the alternative nature's medicine, as you, as you mentioned, um, you know, helped him and to access it, was was extremely difficult when you in a place where you don't have true access. And what I mean by that is um, the state has essentially one and a half providers and, and, you know, providing very limited product at a very expensive price. And so somebody who doesn't, who is on a fixed income, um, if you're on, you know, Medicaid uh, because you're uh, disabled and you need the product, you're, you're not, you're not gonna be able to afford it. Um, and you're not able to access it. So where do they go? They go to the illicit market. Either they go to another state or they go to, you know, they go to, essentially it's illicit if you go to another state and bring it in, but then they go just to, you know, illicit market in, in Texas. And so what we're telling policymakers, and I'd like your thoughts on, you know, if, if we're hitting the right notes on this is, is that, you know, it's not going to, it's not a panacea, but if we can, if we can create a program with enough limited providers, but enough to, to, to handle the patient population, uh, put some standardized testing in so that you have the safety profiles and allow for, um, these providers to, um, to, to get, to give access to these patients, then you're going to, these people are going to naturally gravitate to the regulated program and out of the illicit market. And that's a good thing. What are, what are your so thoughts I, on that? I, I, so, you know, the way I think in life, I think generally people are good people. And I think if you give them a choice between buying something that's legal and buying something that's illegal, the majority of the people's inclination is to go to the legal place and not to deal in a shady, dark alley, buying something that's untested. Um, and for any benefit you might get out of the plant, you're paying a very high price with your health. 
And, and you think, Frank, the absurdity of society right now. So people, consumers, when they think about their food supply, right, they think about what they want to eat today. They're not eating the same way they ate 20, 30 years ago, right? So the when I was younger, we all ate a lot of canned vegetables, right? And and the, those those vegetables in the can as a percentage, canned fruit, we ate canned fruit, right? As a percentage of what's being sold today is down so greatly. Like people want to eat fresh. They want to eat healthy. They want to try to eat organic. It's expensive, but the, their mindset is that, right? The old pyramid of the way they used to show us in school how we were supposed to, what we were supposed to consume. It started with carbohydrates, right? People just don't think about eating in the same way. And yet, when it comes to medicine, Frank, the society takes the opposite approach, which is so inconsistent with the way people want to live today and how they think about their health. And what do I mean by that? For veterans, we'd rather give them, as you say, a box of opioids, a box of pills, which we know is addictive, which we know is harmful. We don't need to prove that. We know that. And instead of offering them a natural medicine, today's society is still offering them pharmacology. But you and I know, Frank, we've discussed this, that it's just a matter of time. And for us, Frank, and part of the reason why I know that you're doing this, and I really appreciate that you're kind of on this mission to educate people that, look, anything in the wrong hands can be dangerous. Anything in the wrong environment can be dangerous. But there's old stigmas attached to cannabis that are less relevant today because we didn't have a legal framework to deliver the quality that we've talked about consistently. But today we do. Societies develop regulation, okay? They have supervision. They have government bodies that are holding us accountable for the regs. And if you put and invest in the right operators, frankly, we would do that with all without the regulations and the oversight because we care about our brand and and our people that work here are so passionate our teammates at air they're so passionate in a way frank i didn't even understand before i got involved that this truly is something that could help society you know, I, I've told this story before, and I'm not sure I told it to you, Frank. If I did, you could just cut me off. Or, but when I first got started in the business, I got to tell you the truth. I wasn't involved. I didn't. I wasn't really focused on it. And you know, I, I thought about cannabis as just kind of a recreational uh, alternative to alcohol because I wasn't educated and I wasn't focused. But once I got involved in the business. And I started to travel from state to state. And I said right from the beginning, we were going to be in a limited number of states, maybe 10 to 12 states. We would hopefully pick those states based on the regulatory framework so that it would be a good market with good providers 
delivering the highest quality product. But when I started in the beginning and I went from state to state to decide what those states were and really the experience people were getting from the product, why was there so much interest? I didn't really understand it. And Frank, when I went into states that were medical only states, which was the majority when I started in 17, and I saw the patients that were coming in the store to get this medicine. And how they talked about the relief, the therapeutic aspect of this, and that society and governments were making it very difficult for them to have this natural choice, natural therapeutic choice. And I'd see them come in wheelchairs and in crutches and canes. And I'd walk out in the beginning and I'd actually get teary eyed that as society, We're denying these people help irrationally. And that's really what has motivated me right from the beginning to build this great company, to deliver what we're talking about here today. And what gets me excited about Texas, I'd rather be in a state that walks before it runs Because ultimately what we have seen, they get to the best program. And states, we've also observed, Frank, that started off running out of control with very little regulatory framework, they're a mess. And you and I don't even have to guess who those states are. Right. You could take a piece of paper right now, Frank, I would bet a dollar. And you could put five states down that you would say, Texas doesn't want to look like this. And I would guess we'd come up with the same five names. Yes, we would. You know, um, I think the point you're making about um, the stigma attached to to cannabis is – it's very similar to the stigma attached to sort of the men- mental health. You know, uh, I think that the education part of this, which you mentioned, is um, is so important. And like you, uh, when I first got involved in 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 the cannabis uh, issue, I didn't know a lot about it, and, and so I was doing it. Uh, you know, what I, what I normally do is just working to try to help. Um, the issue, but as time has gone on, and as I've been conducting uh, these podcasts, talking to people that are patients, um, you know, companies that are committed to providing um, the kind of safe, effective, therapeutic product to these patients, um, you know, it's uh, it's amazing what it, you know when you start to think about, you know, why haven't we done this before? You know, and I told you the story before. You know, one of the things that, uh, and it's a personal issue for me, uh, you know, when my wife was, you know, in the hospital dying of metastatic melanoma and she didn't live that long. Uh, but one of the things that impacted her the most was wasting disease. And, you know, they've added cancer uh, for people that, you know, for not just for the pain and, and not just for the nausea, but also for, for to help with wasting disease. Um, you know, I don't know what 
killed her first. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's and so I wish I'd have known more about it back then in 2015. Um, I didn't know anything about it, and I didn't know there was an alternative. Um, you know, the bill had just passed, so I wasn't paying attention. I would have liked to have had that option to help. I don't know that it. You know, I'm not going to say that it would have saved her. Um, got a very aggressive form of cancer, but um, but it sure probably would have made her quality of life better in the period of time that she was suffering. And so, uh, you know, um, that's a, that's become very personal to me when I talk to people that are, that, that, that need this product is, you know, their quality of life, um, is, is, is huge. And it doesn't, uh, it, it isn't every patient and everybody's different, but that's what we've been talking about getting doctors involved in a, in a, in a doctor, um, a board of sorts that can help us determine which, which conditions, what the dosage should be and those kind of things to, to, it should be legitimized for those patients that really need it. And so you, that's what you've been speaking about. And, um, I really appreciate everything you're saying. Um, I think that you're going to see some big changes in Texas and, um, you guys have been here for the last uh, year and a half working on this, um, without anything, just, uh, without a net, you know, just, um, uh, trying to make things work, you know, helping put together things like this, uh, you know, supporting this podcast, supporting the Texas Patients First Foundation. Um, you know, nobody else is doing that. And I really uh, appreciate Air Wellness for doing that. And you specifically, you know, uh, for for being at the forefront of that. I, I, I'd like to say two things. Part of our attraction to Texas is the day we met you, Frank. It's your honesty and your candor and uh, you have a giant heart, and I, I, I feel in in so many ways we're just joining you in your personal journey. So I, I feel appreciated. The other thing is, if there is any way that Air could be helpful and share our experiences and our insight on what we think creates a good and robust program. Um, we're more than happy to participate um, in any group that uh, the state might be putting together. You know, I would do it personally um, if they if they invited me. So I, I really appreciate Frank. Absolutely. You know, you creating this podcast. I think it's incumbent on all of us who believe in this to spend a, a significant portion of our time just educating folks. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And uh, it's been a great, great journey that we're on and uh, uh, it continues. I will take you up on your offer to uh, come to Texas and help educate uh, our policymakers because that's a big part of it. So, you know, there's a quid pro quo and you already know this about me. Yes. I only come for barbecue. Right? So if it's barbecue, <laughs> I'm there. I owe you good barbecue. That's true. You owe me good barbecue. You promised <laughs> me that day one. I did. All right, John, thank you so much. And uh, we'll uh, we'll follow up with you on all this and appreciate your time. And, and uh, we'll get with you. If, you know, we hear we'll hear from our, our viewers and, um, and and get with you on uh, how the state of Texas is coming along. So thanks again for all your time today. And feel free to invite me again, Frank. I always enjoy our time together. So. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the State House podcast. Today's show is made possible through a generous donation from my friends at Air Wellness. 
Air Wellness is one of the most innovative and fastest growing vertically integrated U.S. multi-state cannabis operators. The company's mission is to drive positive impact for their patients, their customers, their employees, and the communities they serve. For more information, please visit airwellness.com. That's A-Y-R wellness.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. In addition, consider subscribing on Apple and Spotify, where you can leave us a five-star review. If you're not already following us on social media, you can find those links below in the show notes. As always, thank you for your continued support, and we'll see you next time.